Hello and welcome to this audio edition of the Ex-Mormon Files with host Earl Erskine. Thank you for joining us. On each episode of this program, Earl, a former LDS bishop, interviews a former Mormon guest about their journey out of Mormonism and into an authentic relationship with Jesus Christ. These stories are encouraging, fascinating, and often moving. For more information on the Ex-Mormon Files internet video program, please visit exmormonfiles.com. That's exmormonfiles.com. And now, here's Earl. I'm your host, Bishop Earl, and I interview people who have been LDS, who have transitioned out of the church, and have found a personal saving relationship with Jesus Christ. Well, last week we got to meet Michael Wilder, and tonight I'm thrilled to invite or welcome Lynn Wilder. Appreciate <laughs> Hi, you coming. Bishop. Again, all the way from Florida. We appreciate you doing that and sharing your story. And, and he, Michael told us that he was a convert at about 25 years old, and were you, I guess, about that same age, of course. We'd been married three years, right? Wow. We went into Mormonism together. He. Um, actually prayed from um, Moroni 10, 4, and 5. You know, the missionaries always challenge yeah. you to pray, and he did. I never did. I wasn't real thrilled with Mormonism. <laughs> I didn't really want to know what I didn't want to know. But he, um, he had a dream. When he was praying about whether the prayed, Book of Mormon was true. He dreamed that he was defending the Mormons, so he felt like that must have been an, an, answer. an answer to go into Mormonism. And we had kind of made a pact that whatever we did in the way of faith, we'd do together oh, that, you know, since yeah, we were married good. throughout yeah. our years. And so I said, okay, I'll try it with you. But oh, it, I was headlong into Mormonism just as fast or faster than he was within six months. I really? was yeah. um, standing yeah. up, bearing my testimony and bawling just yeah. like, Everything was it else. hard to be when to come to that decision to be baptized though I mean when you were listening to the missionaries and they were telling you had you been a Christian or, or boy that's a good question I grew up in a home that was nominally Christian I okay. would say went to church every week but never cracked a Bible really so I had kind of an outward appearance thing but didn't know didn't really know the Bible kind of like well. Michael then you really weren't able to challenge the missionaries on any doctrine or anything you just kind no. of no in fact I kind of got tricked let me tell you what happened Mike and I were trying to find a church together and we were going to this Methodist church and it was kind of formal and boring to us. Oh, really? So I, I'm kind of the scholarly, you know, I do everything through the brain. So I decided to sign up for a correspondence course on the Bible. Well, I started wow. in the Old Testament and back then you would fill out the stuff and mail it back in and then they'd send you the next bunch. Yeah. So as soon as I got through the Old Testament, one thing that was really clear to me was that these must be latter days all the time. Okay. For some reason, that was what jumped out at me yeah. about latter days. And so when the missionaries knocked on the door and they said they were from the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day latter Saints, that, really that probably is one of the few reasons why I paid some attention to wow, them. Wow, interesting. Because my our pastor wasn't saying anything about latter days latter and days. nowhere where we were but going. But there are a lot of prophecies about the latter days. And so here's this church with the latter-day latter saints. Latter-day answers, yeah. yeah. 
So. Oh, that's so interesting. So you guys spent more time then in, back in, is it Indiana? We were in Indiana. And then you came mm -hmm. out here and you were active in the church back there, I guess? Oh, and, always active, yeah. yeah. I was called to be a young women's president pretty much right away and he was called to be a ward clerk or something. And yeah. then we were just marching along. I taught, when I was in doc school, I taught early morning seminary. Oh, wow. Wow. Yeah, that was something. And then I was a stake primary president um, when I had a six-week-old. I remember traveling oh an hour and a to half To get to different places to with the right. baby. Oh, boy. And back then, I, I had to take my entire primary, I was stake primary president, had to take the entire primary board with me. <laughs> and we'd visit one ward in the morning, like from 8 to 11, and then there might be another ward we'd but these drive are big another, distances, yeah. yeah. Yeah, another 45 minutes away, and from 2 to 5, we'd visit another ward. Oh. And then after uh, the meeting, we'd meet with all the primary people there. Sure. And then we'd have to meet together as a board and put together some kind of report for our stake president about whether they were doing primary the way it was supposed to be done by the handbook. Oh, boy. Yeah. Yeah. Kind of keeping your thumb on the group, huh? Yeah. Well, so were there any things that, uh, I mean, you, any questions you had along the way there during those? Now, you mo eventually move out here, but you're in the church for 30 years. Were there questions that came up during that? Yeah, the first thing that just made me crazy was the whole racism thing. Blacks couldn't hold the priesthood. That okay. just was crazy for me because I went to high school during the civil rights movement. Mm. My high school was shut down for race riots. Of course, this oh, is wow. in the, you know, this was probably in, 1971. Yeah. And I was fascinated by the whole thing. I actually used to sneak out of my parents' home and go downtown to the community center and watch the black preachers on the corner. I was just, really? you know, way into it. So the idea that blacks couldn't hold the priesthood was just disgusting to yeah. me. But again, we decided to try it. Um, the next thing that came up was polygamy. Hey, do you, you didn't hear about that before you joined the church very much? I or? didn't, but I... I Got a hold of the book, um, Emma Smith, Mormon Enigma, probably within five to ten years of being in the church and read mm. it. And it's all about polygamy. Yeah. And Orson Scott Card's book, The Saints. Mm. Um, so, so these were just I questions that you had. Yeah. What did you learn specifically that about Joseph's wives? Was that part of it? That or there just was that? jealousy. I remember a story about... Um, Emma throwing Eliza R. Snow down, <laughs> down the, the stairs one I've heard time, that too. and then she miscarried, you know. See, we, and most of us at Latter-day Saints grow up kind of with the idea, and maybe it's more prevalent now, but uh, that Joseph Smith only had Emma. And yet, Doctrine and Covenants 132, in, when he gives, gets that revelation out, tells Emma that she has to accept all those that Joseph Smith already had. So you know that he must have had some somewhere along the way, huh? <laughs> well, when I was a Relief Society president, which I was a couple of times, we always had a once-a-year lesson on polygamy, at least <laughs> during my time. Yeah. And I remember it was always really controversial, yeah. you know, and the women just hated it, and they, you could, there was just seething during the lesson. But at the end of the lesson, we always said... Oh, but, you know, in the next life, we're all going to understand this, That's, and it's all going to be okay. But, so but just, no, women didn't like the idea of polygamy, but I did know about it. But eventually it. we'd understand it and accept it and 
for some reason be able to live it. I don't know what what was that about. So you did you have yeah, but you had a testimony of Joseph Smith and the church and <laughs> That's a funny question because um, when I saw that question on your list, I was asked to speak in state conference one time and the topic was how my testimony of Joseph Smith makes my family stronger or something like that. And I remember, you know, when you have an Give easy academic state. one, you can just yeah. go through the scriptures and yeah. put together ensign articles. But, you know, you I guess think I didn't about have this a testimony a of Joseph Smith and how he was better for my family. Um, but I did stand up in state conference, and I Gave did a talk, huh? Yeah, say I have a testimony wow. of Joseph Smith. Actually, what happened was right before I spoke, you know, those fifteen, the high counselors and the three members of the stake presidency, and then all those who were going to speak during state conference get together in the big conference yeah. table for high high counselors, you know, and we had a prayer. And I felt during that prayer, God gave me a testimony of Joseph Smith for the first time. And so then I spoke it out in state conference. And I remember a gentleman coming up to me afterwards saying, um, oh, do you mind if I write up your, can you give me your a talk? And we'll your write talk. it up and send it to the ensign, oh, you know. Wow. But now I know that I actually did have a lot of those what I thought were spiritual experiences. Yeah, those burning in the bosoms and yeah. That I now believe came from false sources. Oh boy. And when I um, came out of Mormonism when I was trying to sort truth from error, that was a huge one for me. I wasn't sure how to hear the voice of God or what to it is. That's a confusing issue, isn't it? because you've been trusting that feeling concept for so many years, in your case, 30. How did you deal with that? <laughs> Mike and I eventually went to a Bible study called Experiencing God yeah. by a gentleman by the name of Blackaby. And it goes through the scriptures and gives you the different ways that God speaks to you. Wow. And it was huge for me because for a long time, because I occasionally gotten answers to prayer, I thought I did in Mormonism, yeah. especially through the feelings thing. Now all of a sudden I didn't trust the feelings because the Bible says the heart is deceptive above all else. <laughs> and, you know, uh, Isaiah, the first part of our Isaiah says, come let us reason together. Yeah. So the God of the Bible is a reasoning God, and it should make some sense, yeah. some, some practical sense. What we learned in that Bible study was that God speaks to you when you're in the Word. So when I'm reading the Bible, occasionally uh, God will answer my prayer through what I'm reading. Right. Or something will just kind of jump out at me or stick with me, yeah. like stay in my head. Make you keep thinking and mulling it over and meditating on it or something, yeah. I believe that Word is living. Yeah. And I believe that God can use that word to renew your mind. Wow. So now literally I'm up every morning and in the word, the first thing I do is I'm up probably, I try to do about two hours of time with the Lord in the morning. Wow. You know, in Mormonism, I did scriptures in the well, I was, evening. I was going to ask, how, what was your feeling about the Bible? So in, in the evening is when you studied as a Mormon? 
in the scripture? You, you yeah, you said in, in 05, you know, we were told to read the Book of Mormon That's as right, a yeah. family. Well, my, we were doing that as a family. And reading the Book and of Mormon. And we would do it kind of at bedtime, yeah. usually. Yeah. And it was kind of a rote thing. Well, how do you feel about verse? the Bible oh. then? I mean, back in the during the 30-year period. <laughs> um, I didn't trust it, like no. Mormonism. Yeah, like the Eighth Article of Faith kind of says. Right. Yeah. Well, I'll, let me finish with the ways okay. God speaks to you, and then I'll tell you what the Bible meant to me. Um, so God also speaks to you through your circumstances, which I've learned. You know, God, like Job, he just took his life and turned it upside down, yeah. and yet God was doing something to glorify God. It, right. it is about his plan and not ours, right. actually, in the end. Um, God speaks to you through other members of the body of Christ, because mm. other people that are in the Word and connected to truth and sometimes have gone through similar experiences or know you... They will share. ...can share things yeah. that are from the Word wow. and that are true. So, so all these that are the helped me. Different ways that we really learn truth, not just from this heart that can be deceived. That's good. Right. In I like fact, that. I do not trust the feelings anymore. I had some, you know, in in Mormonism, like when the patriarch laid his head on my his hands on for my patriarchal head. patriarchal blessing. For my patriarchal blessing, I felt this electricity just flow through my body. And I always thought that was one of the most amazing spiritual experiences I ever had. <laughs> now I totally disregard it. I think it came from a, a wrong source. A different source. We were just anticipating that you were going to have... Sometimes that happens in right. the temple, too. Your anticipation yes. is, is greater than... And you have kind of this false... Sense you get your emotions all worked yeah. up. Yeah. Well, now you you got your doctorate, and did you get that before you went to? You were a professor at BYU, a tenured professor. Yes. Um, I had one story. of those. <laughs> that's funny. You should ask that question next. God must want to go <laughs> go here next, right? I had one of those funny spiritual experiences that sent me back to school. Oh. Um, I won't go into the whole story here, but I felt like God was telling me to go back to school. And I'm a Mormon mom, you know, I've got kids at home, plus Mike's elderly parents were in our home and we were oh caring boy. for them. Plus we have all these callings and I had a, a, a part-time job that was a, one day and one night a week, which um, the Mormon women weren't happy with, you know, after the come home from your typewriters right, um, right, speech yeah. in 87, I think it was. Um, so you go back to, did you end up at Ball State? I went to Ball State, yes, and got my doctorate and had no clue why God would tell me to do such a silly thing because Mormon women aren't supposed to do that. And I was Relief Society president and kind of in trouble with the women I was trying to lead for wow. doing that. But I felt like God had really told me I needed to do that. Then when I graduated, Mike said, ah, why don't we look for a job in the West? You know, we always wanted to kind of retire out West, live with the saints, go to Zion. So there just happened to be a job at BYU. Wow. And they just happened to be interviewing. And 
wow, they interviewed me and I got the job, you know, and so then we moved our family to Zion. Then we knew why God had told me go back to school. We were supposed to come to Zion, yeah, okay. you know, and I was supposed to help all those women at BYU have a good model <laughs> like the Elder Nguyen-Swander told me I was supposed to do when I got hired. Be a good example, huh? Yeah, be that good example for the women. Um, but what unfolded was I taught multiculturalism, among other things, at BYU, and I realized the depth of the racism in the Mormon church. I had kind of put racism on the shelf for a long time yeah. after the prophet decided that it was okay now for okay. blacks to yeah. priesthood. But when I started teaching multiculturalism, my students started teaching me about something called the curse of Cain. This is a new, new thing, maybe. Yeah, this is 15 <laughs> years ago. I'd never heard of the curse. If you can imagine that, I'd never heard of the curse of Cain. And they said, oh, the Bible teaches it. It teaches that, you know, blacks are cursed because yeah. of what Cain. And so I didn't trust the Bible, so I didn't even go check it out. I figured they must be right. How stupid. <laughs> okay, now I know why I'm at BYU. You know, I'm supposed to help church with racism so the new generation doesn't have all this have ingrained all racism yeah. in it. But, you know, God is funny. I, he didn't choose me for some great <laughs> plan. <laughs> he, he took me there so that I could learn how bad the racism was and add one more thing to this shelf yeah. that was getting heavier of, of all of the questioning the church. Yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. So how long were you at BYU teaching? Eight years. Wow. Now, I know that there were a few uh, historians and some others in the, LDA, in the BYU faculty that have questioned the church and eventually came out, wrote books and so on. Did, were you aware of any of those kind of negative things going on? Yeah, one of them was actually mentioned when Elder Nguyenswander interviewed me. Um, he actually mentioned one of them and laughed about it. So, you know, it was very clear at BYU that those people were fools and, you know... Satan has I, deceived them, I guess, right, of course. Right, I believe that, sure. Oh, okay. I, think, I think I believe that along with them. Yeah. But as I began to question that, I began to have this tremendous fear... Um, that I was going to be one of them and that they were going to parade me in the media and that they were going to ruin my career no. and ruin my stance and ruin. And that was a great fear, not just for me, but, but for my husband. He, he really did fear about that. In fact, when I decided I'd had enough with the church, I quit paying my tithing and I quit doing my calling. Mm. But Mike and I had a co-chair calling and so he kept doing my calling, and, and, and he paid my tithing. <laughs> oh. He actually went in and had tithing settlement for me, and no one ever seemed to pick up on something <laughs> being wrong. Well, I, gosh, I can't believe we're running out of time. You gave up probably a career, at least at BYU, to, mm -hmm. to, uh, for this newfound faith of, in Christianity. Yes. Can you ta address that just a little bit? I, we, I mean, it obviously became very important to you. We know Micah came out and challenged you guys to study the Bible. He did. Your testimony, and, and you began understanding, I guess, like Michael, mm -hmm. your husband, mm -hmm. uh, about Jesus and what he had done for us. 
So can you talk a little bit about, I know it's a lot of sacrifice that you gave up. Was it, was it something you feel good about? Or would you do it again? Oh, yes, <laughs> absolutely. Um, Jesus, I don't even think about it as Christianity or moving from one religion to another. Yeah. What I left behind was this structured religiosity of rules and regulations, Old Testament rules and regulations. The law. The law. Yeah, the law. The law Mormon style, though. Right, Certainly right. not the law as the Jews lived it right. in the Old Testament. And what I got was a God who loves me unconditionally, a God of grace, a God who can actually be all places, at yeah. all time. And that was huge for me in answering prayer. Okay, so back in Mormonism, I never thought God was going to answer my prayers because he's too busy and he can only be one place at one time. And even the Holy Spirit is a man that we were taught could only be one place at one yeah. time, although his sunshine shines <laughs> down on us, right? Right, right. Um, what I have now is this much bigger God. And I have a relationship with this much bigger bigger God yes, that no. sometimes is so real it's like a conversation. Well that's what we talk about having a personal relationship. Yeah. Did, I didn't have that as a, a Latter-day Saint. No. No. I think the other wonderful thing for me is the knowledge that I'm saved. I mean I, I really I don't have to worry about if I'm there or not. I, this God loves me. I can't do anything to add to what he did for me. I accept it. I'm in him. And then he has a plan that's not my plan. It's his plan. <laughs> right. And I'm just one little tiny move on his chessboard of whatever he's doing. Oh. You know, and in the beginning, I wanted to know all the time what he was doing and yeah. what was coming next and what piece I was supposed to play. Don't even worry about that anymore. I get up every day, I surrender to him, and then he brings the most amazing things into my life. Wow. Um, I could just tell story after story after story. Oh, we've hardly even touched on anything that you have to offer. One of the things that I was curious about was a dream that you had uh, <laughs> in, during a study time, I guess it was. Would you share that with us? When I first started coming to Christ, I, I kept reading in the New Testament that God opens the eyes of the blind and unstops the ears of the deaf. And I knew I was deaf and blind. I knew I was deaf and blind. And I knew that the anecdote for blindness was being in the Bible. And so the more my head got straight the less blind I became. But one night I had this dream and I'm standing in this shallow water that's running quickly, living water, right? And there's this really bright like sunlight and I'm going like this. And I heard this voice say, you're beginning to hear, but you still don't see very well. <laughs> <laughs> and I went, I think that's in the Bible. No. Isn't that funny? But God is personal, and he has a sense of humor, and he has a plan. Oh, boy. Yeah. You've got just a minute or so. What do you tell the LDS people, people that are maybe searching or thinking? What would you, what do you tell them? I would say do not fear to question your faith. Find out the truth. Um, don't fear the loss of family relationships. 
go forward in whatever way you need to go forward to pursue truth. And truth is in the Bible. Truth is in the words of Jesus himself. Jesus is truth. The Jesus that you have in Mormonism tells you a different way to salvation. So in my head, that's a different Jesus. Read the words of the right Jesus in the New Testament and find where he would have you go. And he will turn your life upside down and it'll be awful and wonderful at the same time and yeah. it'll just get better and better and better. Do you think uh, people go through a born-again process? Is it... Uh is that like it says in the Bible, you must be born again? I, I feel like I did. Yeah. There was a point of surrender where I was done with myself and said, I need you. You need to take charge of my life. I'm not I can't figure this, this out anymore. Yeah, I need you. And, you know, I didn't realize at that point that that was when my life began to change. Yeah. But now that I look back, I see all the scales that started to come off wow. when I was reading the word and finding the truth, and I was humble enough to let him lead me to it. Wow. I've used the word new creature. That's what I felt like I became. I just saw the Bible differently. Uh, scriptures that had never meant anything to me before started meaning. And then I was in the study that I did, as you counseled or encouraged us to study. And if it is true, we, and LDS is true, we shouldn't be afraid to, to research it, right? I mean... There shouldn't be anything we should be afraid of. This is one thing I realized at BYU, that we were taught to question, use your rational, critical mind in every area, in biology, and accounting, and education. Well, sure. But when it came to faith, what you do is follow blindly. That's a problem. Isn't that? That's a problem. <laughs> use your critical mind also in faith. God expects you to do that. He said, come, let us reason together. Oh, that's that's fabulous. Yeah. Um, oh, Lynn, you're just such a wonderful example. I know you probably don't want to hear that. And Lynn has and Michael have both given interviews on uh, on YouTube, I think. Is there, are there other places people can go to hear more of your story? And My testimony is on um, X. Mormon scholars testify.org. Oh, but boy. Michael and I have a ministry and we have a website. Oh, what is that? Um, it's unveilingmormonism.com. Okay, well, your, your video, The Unveiling Grace, is just tremendous. And of course, they go through the interviews of, of Micah and the other, uh, your, uh, Matt, and, and the other members of Adams Road, plus your own testimony in there, too. That meant a lot to us as we went through that. That is so. totally, totally God's work, and he used Scott Johnson with Main Street Church to do that. To do that. Yeah. Well, I, I just really appreciate you spending your time and, and coming here. And you know, the, the LDS people do, we have a love for them, don't we? Ah. I mean, you want them to be, to see things, to learn. The love's almost overwhelming. I mean, God gives it to me, and then I pray for them yeah. throughout the day whenever I think about if them. They, and if I hadn't be been there for 30 years, <laughs> I wouldn't love them like I do. I'm looking in the mirror, right? Yeah. yeah. Thanks so much, Lynn. And uh, remember, you're following the Gospel of Joseph Smith. Good night. See you next week. This has been the audio edition of The Ex-Mormon Files. 
The Ex-Mormon Files is a production of Main Street Church of Brigham City. For information about this program, including past and current video episodes, please visit exmormonfiles.com. From there, you can also download audio episodes of this program. If you have an ex-Mormon story you would like to share, we'd love to hear from you. Please write us at contact at exmormonfiles.com. Thank you for listening, and we hope you'll tune in again soon. Thank you.